What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's an origin story, but when we first meet him, he's sort of already on his path. My fucking guy, Stellan Skarsgård, was so psyched to see him on screen. It was even more psyched to see him not die. It's not going to be your stereotypical hero versus villain thing. Welcome to the big stream. I am Liam McEwen back again for a double dip this week. This time I am joined by my coworker Ryan Phillips, and we are getting together to discuss the latest in the Star Wars Cinematic Universe. I don't know if they have a catchy name like Marvel, but Disney Plus released the first three episodes of its newest Star Wars show called Andor. The show is featured around the character Cassian Andor, who came from the prequel movie Rogue One, released a couple years ago, right in the middle of the new sequel trilogy. This show takes place while the Empire is still in power in the Star Wars universe. We are presumably watching Cassian grow from a criminal i suppose criminal to a full-fledged member of the rebel alliance star wars fans are very excited for this new dive into the universe it is very i will say so far very unique definitely a fresh look uh compared to the mandalorian and the boba fett shows that have come out since the conclusion of the newest sequel trilogy and with that, I bring in Ryan. Ryan, Andor. Ryan is actually the one who told me to watch Andor. He wanted to talk about it. I did, and I'm happy I did. So, Ryan, why don't you just uh, kick us off here? Tell us what brought you into the Andor universe. I'll say I think that the Obi-Wan series is the one people were most looking forward to because it's such an established character. But after that, I'd have to say Andor is the one people have been anticipating the most. I think it's a pretty generally accepted fact. I mean, for the most part that people think Rogue One was the best movie since the original three. 
and it is universally beloved pretty much. And Andor was the hinge point character in that. He was the roguish kind of guy who was the resistance. And, you know, uh, Diego Luna was fantastic in it. And I think people really wanted more of that. And maybe they wanted more in that movie of, of Cassian because he was such an interesting character. He was sort of the Han Solo of that movie. And you get a deeper dive here. And so we've got, you know, a full season of this show uh i think it's 12 episodes the first season uh so it's not one of these six episode quick hitters that disney plus is doing this is gonna be a, a long drawn out season and you're right we meet him you know it's almost it's an origin story but when we first meet him he's sort of already on his path he's already robbing the empire spoiler alert to everybody he's already robbing the empire he's already kind of a small time criminal as you said and then in the first scene, we see him graduate from small-time criminal to murder, uh, cold, straight up. He accidentally murders a guy, and then some guy sees it, and he straight up murders him in cold blood. Exactly what we saw at the beginning of Rogue One. And so maybe it's sort of connecting that parallel there. We also get some flashbacks of him as a child, all of that. So we're definitely getting the full experience of figuring out who this character is. And I think that's going to be really rewarding for people who love that movie. Even if you watch that movie and have no care for the rest of the Star Wars universe, this is a really cool dive. And I will say so far, I think you're right, I have not been disappointed. I think Star Wars over the past, say, you know, six movies or whatever, has been very glossy and very, you know, sort of high-level, outer spacey stuff, I mean, as you would expect from a Star Wars movie. But Rogue One was very, like, sort of ground-level, gritty, kind of gross, like they're in bad, dirty areas, things like that, slums. And this is taking off where that left off. And it's it's definitely a ground-level look. It's a sci-fi show, but it doesn't look like a Star Wars show so far. Um, there's not, you know, crazy alien-looking you know, things everywhere. There's not, there hasn't, we haven't really been to outer space very much. It's, it's very ground level, very gritty. And you could almost put it in any universe as Liam and I were talking beforehand. If you didn't know what star Wars was uh, and you didn't know this was a star Wars show. And there's a scene at the end of uh, uh, episode three, where they're stuck in a, in like a, they're in a warehouse, two guys talking in a warehouse. And if a predator jumped through the ceiling and started shooting people, You'd be like, okay, yeah, so it's a Predator movie. All right. You know, I mean, it's sci-fi, but it's not, you know, identifiably Star Wars, except for references to things like the Empire and all of that. So uh, really love the way it's shot, and, and it's definitely a different look at the Star Wars universe. For sure. Then I think, you know, you really nailed it as far as Rogue One goes. And I think the reason that that movie, you know, by the Star Wars standards is almost a cult classic is because the main characters, the protagonists, they aren't, you know, superheroes. Jedis yeah. are superheroes. That's basically what they are. And then out of all of the, you know, Star Wars shows that have been released on Disney Plus over the last few years, as that has become a successful business model and production model, are also about borderline superheroes. The Mandalorian is a super soldier. Boba Fett's the same way. Obi-Wan is Obi-Wan. It focuses in on... The grittier characters, the characters who can't fight their way out of an entire town's worth of enemies because they're more powerful than them. You know, there isn't a lot of stuff blowing up. It's more about the subterfuge. It's, it's about more conflicted characters as well. 
And I think that is going to be the strength of Andor going forward is that as it stands, our main character is kind of a sleazeball. He owes a lot of people money. He doesn't seem, uh, you know, he doesn't adhere to his adopted mothers or whatever you want to call Marva with a double A. You know, he's not, he's not, he's not like this prodigal son like Luke Skywalker or, uh, you know, not, I mean, Ray was uh, significantly less, you know, pure as at the beginning, but at the same time, she kind of was. It's, it's not a typical hero's journey, I would say. For and sure. So, yeah. And so that's what, that's what I think is going to be the draw of the show. And it's like you said, if you didn't know it was Star Wars, this could be kind of any sci-fi universe taking place on a different planet with an oppressive government of some sort and our main character is just trying to you know live his life and make his way by things of that nature but that actually brings us to the overarching plot of the first season of Andor it appears has something to do with his sister who was mentioned in the first five minutes of the first episode and then we watched the consequences of his search for her unfold over the course of three episodes, which I thought was kind of interesting because they didn't bring it up again. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the most recent episode, obviously spoilers, I don't know why you're listening to this if you haven't watched it yet, but spoilers. Um, he is going to go join what appears to be the beginnings of the Rebel Alliance with my fucking guy, Stellan Skarsgård. was so mm-hmm. psyched to see him on screen. It was even more psyched to see him not die. Because I'll say this. You... As far as I'm concerned, he can be in every movie. I yeah. don't care. Every movie is made better by his presence. I really enjoy a good Stellan Skarsgård performance. Yeah, between this and Dude, he's making his mark in the sci-fi realm, which is tremendous. But... You know, it really, anybody who watched that third episode, it seemed like he was fated to die as, like, the would-be mentor. But now he's going to be a real mentor for an undetermined amount of time. He probably has to die to, you know, finish uh, Cassian's character arc. Because while, you know, this is a little bit more of a unique take compared to what we normally see from Star Wars stuff, at the end of the day, it's still going to be Star Wars. It's going to be good versus evil. The main character is going to come all the way around and there's probably going to be some more trauma. There's going to be more of a dark look at things, but I still think that this will end up in the big picture, the same kind of feel good story that pretty much all Star Wars stuff is. And that's why we like to watch it. Yeah. And and the Selm Skarsgård relationship, uh, what's his name against Luthen? His relationship with Cassian is, I think, going to be a big point of the show. Uh, the relationship with what appears to be, I guess they're an ex-girlfriend, is a Bix Kaleem, played by Adrian Arjona. Another person I was very excited to see on this show, because I think she's great and is going to do big things. Um, so I think that those relationships are going to drive the show. Um, we're going to see, I, th- I think we're going to get in the next few episodes, it's going to start looking more like a Star Wars show. I think we're going to get more outer space stuff. We're going to get more, you know, Rebel Alliance stuff. I think we're going to see some people that we recognize from other movies start to show up, uh, you know, maybe for one episode arcs. Um, but yes, I agree. I think that that, look, there's already been good action. There's already been, you know, you've already got your established bad guys. You've already got, you know, pretty much everything. I did love when he was talking about how he stole this very important, you know, piece of technology. And the, you know, Luthen asked him, how'd you get it? And he said, well, I just walked in and took it because the empire is so, you know, big and, you know, dominant right now that they're not even looking. And I think that's going to be a huge, that monologue is probably a huge 
foreshadowing of what's to come. Whereas, you know, they're so focused on big things that they're not looking at the ground. You know, they're not watching the ground. And um, you can pull the ground out from, me, from underneath somebody who's not looking at where they're walking. So I think that's going to be a huge part of moving forward. Also thought that scene was really interesting as Luthen clearly knows all about Cassian. Art knows, knows everything about his history, knows about where his father was killed, knows all of this. And I, I think we're going to find out about that moving forward. So there's a lot of threads here to pull not just on Cassian's real background. We're going to obviously learn about his upbringing and things like that, as we saw from the flashbacks on his home planet where he was removed. But I also think that, we're, you know, so there's that. There's just the general where the world is at right now, the Empire. Who Who's going to show up? I'm sure some Rogue One people are going to show up very soon uh, to sort of connect those two things and give like sort of a little nod to the fans. Um, and then I would say also, the the relationship between Luthen and Cassian and and how that developed and how they spotted him and also how Bix Glean fix figures into it because she's the one who set him up set Cassian up with Luthen you know how do they how does that all tie in and now her lover boy is dead lover boy snitch I should add yes um, big time snitch Cassian is gone so I mean it might be a while until we get Bix back in the picture but you actually brought up one of the things I wanted to talk about in this podcast which was the heavy emphasis on the you know in the first three episodes of flashbacks to Cassian's youth spent in what appears to be something of a Lord of the Flies situation but they made an interesting directorial decision there where we didn't understand a damn thing that any of the kids were seeing they were all speaking this language from the planet that they grew up on but there were no subtitles it didn't give us any of that those scenes were for you know essentially silent for what it was worth you know you can see the emotions on their face but I mean I don't know how I felt about that because it was kind of a you know it's a, the flashback method was a straightforward way of explaining where Cassian came from, but then they didn't bring out any of the language aspect of that. So I don't know. I mean, what do you, what, what, what were you thinking when you saw that? Yeah, I think that they were, you know, it, it's possible that Cassian doesn't really remember that stuff. So he might, if he's thinking back on it, maybe he doesn't remember what was said, you know, and, and you're supposed to be as in the dark as he is remembering these things back. And, uh, I did think it was an interesting choice not to show what they were saying. Uh, you kind of pick it up. I mean, as you as as you go through, you kind of as as it develops, you kind of get an idea of what they're saying. Uh, but it was an interesting decision not to do that, and uh, and also it was an, an interesting decision. I mean, you figure that's Cassian the whole time, but you're not explicitly told that's him until the end, where they mold both. You know, guys are looking out the window at space. You know, both characters, and you was nice. That was that was that was a well shot scene. I'll give and and you realize that he's this. And now, I mean, you picked up on it when uh, you know his mom shows up, uh, when the woman who's like his adopted mother shows up and grabs him. You picked up on it, but it wasn't explicitly said. And um, so, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting choice. That whole flashback sequence was interesting, and I'm sure we'll get more moving forward from that. Uh, from a younger Cassian, like, cause we're going to have to learn how he got into the lifestyle he's in. So again, really liked it. Really. I, I, I've been a fan of all the choices they've made. And I think the biggest choice they made was to keep this on the ground level so far. And your introduction to the character is very on the ground. He's, you know, in shady areas being a shady character, you know, 
he he's not a hero in the classic sense. He does some things that are probably could be considered by some people heroic because he's fighting against the Empire, but he's really doing it for personal gain. Let's be real. That's what he's doing. And uh, so now, you know, you get this idea that maybe it's going to change, but is he leaving his home planet or this planet he's on uh, with Luthen to really fight for the resistance? Or is he doing it because he, the heat, there's heat on him and he needs to leave. So it's, it's a, it's definitely, he has gray motives and everything. And I really like that. Yeah. I think they hit the, hit it on the nose uh, in that regard when he wouldn't shut up about going back and getting that piece of technology and it almost got him and Luthen killed. But uh, one of the other things that I like about, I liked about this show in the early goings is that, you know, we've talked a lot so far in this podcast about how it doesn't necessarily feel or look like Star Wars, which is part of the appeal. But when I was watching it, I enjoyed the more subtle check marks and like uh, uh, iconic aspects of the Star Wars universe that they slipped in there, like the set pieces with these weird little ramshackle towns filled with a bunch of insane looking people and aliens, even if people yeah. who look normal are dressed up in some weird shit. It's stuff like that. It's uh, and that it, combined with that and the flashback sequences where they keep you in the dark as far as what is actually being said so far it seems the show enjoys dealing in subtlety and i think that that is a unique aspect of the star wars universe because star wars for all of the good things about it has never been a particularly subtle you know ip there's good there's evil the shades of gray tend to not really exist or they're exemplified in one character, a la yeah, Han Solo, yeah. who even then ends up being the good guy more often than not. All he does is talk a big game about living in that gray area, but then he doesn't actually do it. And it seems like that's kind of where the show, you know, early goings, but it seems like that's where the show wants to make its mark in, as far as tone goes. It's not going to be your stereotypical hero versus villain thing. It's about how, you know, somebody who does live in the gray area can grow to be a hero, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's true. And I think that that's sort of like the message of Rogue One is heroes can kind of come from anywhere. And, and whether they're, you know, a former, you know, Empire pilot, uh, 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 a criminal. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. My rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, you know, or a girl who's the daughter of the guy designing the Death Star. Like, you know, the, the hero can come from anywhere. What they do in that movie is certainly heroic. I mean, they essentially go on a suicide mission uh, to save people's lives. And uh, I think that 
that that was the message there. And I think that's just further continued here is that, you know, we don't know where this is going to go, but we know that where he starts out is not as a pure, you know, well-intentioned guy. And so really that's the journey they're going to explore. And it's a journey they haven't really explored a whole lot in this universe. Uh, whereas I think that, you know, uh, something like we've talked about Marvel uh, before and it's, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a lot of their stories are about people who are not a traditional hero becoming a hero. I mean, that's that's almost all of those origin stories. You look at Tony Stark. He was just a rich playboy who didn't give a damn about anything, became Iron Man, the ultimate good guy, you know? And, and so a lot of those stories are that way, but it hasn't really been explored that way in Star Wars. You're right. There's a lot of black and white, very little gray. And I, I think that's why people are so excited for the series because it's a completely different type of lead and a completely different type of character. And and I'll also say about it, um, the when there is somebody who's a gray uh, character in one of these movies, the arc is almost always the good guy continually convincing the gray guy to do good, you know, and it's basically just badgering them to be a good guy. Well, now the main character is just that great guy and so he's basically enough to convince himself i think uh, of of changing who he is and becoming a hero one of the other interesting characters that we've been introduced to that i wanted to dedicate a little bit of time to on this podcast was uh cyril karn played by kyle soller who i don't even know if we've really gotten his name yet but he seems to be on the precipice of being our main bad guy he is the, you know, the lieutenant of the uh, corporate security, which on its own is an extremely fascinating thing that I don't think they've really brought into the Star Wars universe. Yeah, on that, it, it, almost, it almost seems like the Empire is too big to deal with these small disputes, so they basically farmed it out to let these people do their own security and hunt people down and have their own police forces. Like, I mean, that just based on what Cassian has said, it feels like the Empire is like, so big that it can't do this stuff so here you guys you guys handle it on your own and that's what it feels like and so it's a smaller level as everything on this show is smaller level this feels like a smaller level bad uh, yeah which makes which makes total sense too totally. like we're not going to be getting stormtroopers marching in to take down cassian for killing two random guards in the middle of the night on some backwater city and some backwater planet in this gigantic uh empire that spans thousands and thousands of light years it's uh I think it's it's fascinating. I don't really know if they're going to explore, you know, the intricacies that come along with that. I would enjoy that. It almost gives it like a Terminator Skynet feel yeah, uh, yeah. to a much lesser degree, of course, but still kind of that same feel. But for, you know, they might keep the subtlety of the characters. But either way, we have uh, Cyril Karn who works for them and he hunts down Cassian and then is exposed to the horrors and trauma of war and seemed awfully traumatized by it, if we're being honest. Yeah. And I wonder if that trauma is going to end up turning him into a complete psychopath, or if he's going to be also on the path to some slight redemption. What do you think? Well, it, it, the interesting thing about him is he's a total idealist at the beginning. Like, the, this guy did something bad, like because his boss is saying, hey, don't even investigate this. Two random guys died. They pro it's, it seems like they picked a fight with the wrong guy. That was hilarious. Let it like, go. They're assholes. It's not a surprise that it happened. It's a surprise. Yeah. Surprise it took this long. Just fucking throw it in the shredder. Who cares? Is, and, and, and what he says is, hey, we don't want to create a big problem because then the Empire will get involved. You know, and we don't want that. We just let us just keep going with what we're doing. It's good for us. And he says basically, no, 
You know, I mean, without officially telling his boss no, he goes and invest, starts to investigate it on his own and get his, gets people to investigate it. They come upon Cassie, and, and exactly what his boss warned of happens. They have a big shootout in an area, and now you know the Empire's going to get sucked into it to some degree. But you're right. He's an idealist who probably hasn't been exposed to war. He finally has this major moment. And, and you know, he's speaking to the troops beforehand. It's clear he doesn't know what to say. And, you know, he's very nervous and all this. And he goes in, and, and I think the character arc could go one of two ways here. You're right. He could. This could turn him into a psychopath because these men he led to battle got killed because of this dude. Or it could lead him on a path eventually to war is really bad. You know, and maybe he's the redemption story uh, 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 as well that will parallel and or. But I think he's probably going to go pretty bad. That's my assumption. But I could see it going either. Yeah, because I think I think I side with you just because him not going very bad would require a splitting of attention in the show that I'm not totally sure they want to do. I think it would work if they had, you know, the disillusioned uh, cog in the machine who, you know, maybe doesn't work for change, but slowly turns towards the side of good as we see it. But I don't think that doesn't seem likely because this show is called Andor, after all. It's all about yeah, Cassie yeah. and Andor. It's about his adventure. And so this guy seems like he's prepping to be the big bad, the guy who's going to haunt Cassian for most at of, least for this season. The show. Yeah. yeah, at least at least for this season. We've yet to see how exactly they want to do it. I know the project was very ambitious off of what I read. They had a lot of uh, ideas for how long it was supposed to span. I think initially they were planning to have it go over the course of like 10 or 15 years and then realize they couldn't really do that due to, you know, actor ages and things of that nature. Not that House of the Dragon had that problem, I guess. But and or learning from the mistakes before they even saw them. But yeah, I mean, that sort of indicates that the other thing I'm keeping my eye on, and this is very important for any new age Star Wars show, is what celebrity cameos we're going to be getting. I didn't see any in the first couple episodes. There was no Werner Herzog or Gus Fring, but uh, maybe those with a keener eye than I caught it. But that's my, uh, you know, meaningless side uh, quest that I really enjoy from... uh, from the star wars universe nowadays is they throw in these just like random really like famous people and actors i would even say stellan skarsgård has already broken out of that mold because he appears to be set to play like a pretty big role yeah he'll be on on screen for like two minutes and then piecing out and then kind of being a bit character basically he seems like he's important to the plot but that uh i do i do enjoy keeping an eye out for those yeah i mean those are they have become a big deal and whether or not they're all dressed up as stormtroopers or whether they're actually in the show, uh, you know, like Tim B. Oliphant in, uh, in, in the Mandalorian and things like that. I, I am looking forward to that too. And I think that this story is so well established where something like the Mandalorian starting from the ground floor with a character, this one's established. You're probably into people who are fans of the movie wanting to be in it too. And, you know, it's a series led by a Latin actor for the first time uh in the star wars universe uh you know uh, or uh, a second i guess um but i think that it's you know that's a big deal for a lot of people and they want to be involved yeah it's uh you know i would say it's off to a great start i'm not sure i haven't been super plugged in i would say to the various criticisms of the show i will tell the listeners that my uh star wars friends i coined them the buddies i grew up with who were like diehard star wars people were not super enthused by it but i guess that goes back to what we were saying about you know it's star wars but it's not star wars the way that you think about it 
we might not see a lightsaber for the entire series, as far as we know. We didn't in Rogue One until the very end when we saw Vader, which was fucking sick, but that's another another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, we might not see a lightsaber. We're probably not going to be seeing any Imperial Dreadnoughts. We're not going to, you know, see thousands of Stormtroopers. We will probably end up seeing Stormtroopers. We will see the various, uh, you know, the lower the lower legs of the Empire as we know it. But it's 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 uh, it's its own show. I think it's not a Star Wars show. It's a show about Star Wars, which sounds weird saying it out loud, but I do think there is a little bit of a difference. I agree, and I and honestly, I think that's it's been its strength so far. I think that um, being able to live in that world and create its own thing is has been the strength of the show so far. So I, I look forward to that aspect of it. Because we have a bunch of Star Wars shows that are definitely Star Wars shows where people are flying to different planets all the time, where there have been lightsabers, all of that. Uh, and there have been people with the Force. And, you know, I mean, even The Mandalorian met several people with the Force and, and, and you know, all of that. So I do think uh, that's this show's strength and what differentiates us from the others. And we'll see. I mean, maybe after a while, people are like, all right, you know what? I need to, I need to see some lightsaber battles and somebody with the force and somebody doing this somebody doing that some people i recognize and and maybe this show will eventually need that but for now i think the strength has been that it's different and it's interesting in that way i do wonder if they're going to be able to keep the pace as you know tense and as quick as they managed to establish in the first three episodes because you obviously as you noted starts off with a bang cassian kills two people you and then he books it you know he's going to be in trouble and then they slow play uh, the Empire, discover the corporate security, sec- discovering his identity while he frantically tries to prepare. And then the entire last episode just has you on the edge of your seat where you're waiting for, you know, the, the corporate security people to come and capture Cassian. And Cassian's going to meet with a black market uh, tech dealer, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. There's a, there's a lot going on. And at some point, it has to slow down to an extent, obviously. We can't have Cassian on the run for his life constantly for an entire season's worth of show. But they are, I think, going to have to get creative. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to get creative to ensure that the pace doesn't slacken off to the point that people essentially remember that they're watching a show about a side character in a prequel movie that wasn't the you know one of the main movies of the star wars universe and not that that should matter but i think to a certain extent there is an audience out there who watches it because of the names and faces that they recognize this guy's new they draw them in they want to keep them there and the way to do that is to kind of keep everybody tense but you can't do it you can't overload it, right you can't do it too much so i think there's a balance that's going to need to be struck i'm really interested to see how they're going to do it yeah, what I think is interesting, what's going to be interesting is there's going to have to be a bottle episode at some point where they're sitting around talking about what's going on. You know what I mean? Where it's it's very contained and we're going to have to at some point establish for people who maybe saw Rogue One a long time ago and don't have the memory of it and aren't clicking the next thing on Disney Plus to watch Rogue One, uh, why this is important, why we should care about this guy and why uh, people should go back and rewatch Rogue One. And so I, I do wonder how many people watched the show and immediately went back and watched the movie because they were like, I got to remember some stuff about this. And you also, you know, I mean, we, we've seen from previews, there are going to be a lot of connections to that movie. A lot of characters from that movie are going to be imported in. 
and slowly we're going to get integrated into that world because you have to imagine this show is just going to lead up directly to the beginning of Rogue One. He's probably going to be walking through that city that he's walking through in the very beginning. And that's probably going to be the last scene of the show. And it goes right to the part where, you know, he get, talks, talks to that guy about the building of the Death Star and all that and kills him. So, yeah, you have to establish those connections and, and make it understood why this is important. Of course, they've got a long rope to do that. They just greenlit season two. Um, you're imagining it's going to go multiple seasons. Uh, and so they've got time to do that. But I think at some point this season, and probably soon within the next two episodes or so, uh, they're going to have to establish why this is all so important and, and why they're running against the Empire and why Cassian in particular is someone they hunted down to try and join their cause. It's an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. I think you all know that, but this just serves as a reminder once again that Disney Plus or Disney is dumping a bunch of money into this IP and some of the stuff. This is not a cheap. Is, this cannot yeah, be a cheap show. <laughs> it's definitely very expensive, even if you take into account the fact that there's going to be less ships exploding and less special effects needed to simulate a, uh, a lightsaber going through some guy's chest, but. I would give it, as our rating, the rating for the first three episodes, I would give it two Death Stars out of three Death Stars. I really enjoyed it. I think my only, uh, what I feel to be legitimate criticism is that the timeline stuff was a little unclear, not in terms of uh, Cassian and what he's doing, but in terms of when this kind of takes place in the greater timeline as far as you know what time in the empire we are and then in the flashbacks they were talking about the republic and it, it you end up figuring it out and especially if you're keyed into star wars at all that you really you know it was almost instantaneous you figured it out you probably knew before you even went into the show but i will say that viewing as somebody who likes star wars but doesn't know like the back of his hand i haven't seen rogue one in three years and i didn't rewatch it Everything was a little bit, a teensy bit unclear, and I think that made it a slightly higher than necessary barrier for entry for the first episodes of a show. But, you know, like I said, you end up figuring it out if you're paying attention, so it's not a huge criticism. So in the first scene where he's in that city, uh, the bottom says uh, BBY and then a year, and that's before the Battle of Yavin. I, I learned this reading it. I had no idea. And that's okay. before that's before, before the, the battle. Ba no, no. This is that's the battle at the end of the first uh Star Wars movie. So it's like how many years before that? And I didn't know this. I looked this up afterwards because I was like, what does that mean? And I typed it in and some Star Wars, I hesitate to say nerd, but Star Wars nerd <laughs> explained that in his in his uh on a you know some article somewhere. Uh so it's like this many years before Star Wars. Okay, but that, that, yeah, that's You're a right. Little, but they don't establish it's a little inside that. baseball. It's a little Agreed. inside 100, baseball, 100%. maybe unnecessarily inside baseball. But 100%. I do appreciate. I appreciate them not trying to spell it out for us and putting it up on like, uh, you know, not yeah. to pick on House of the Dragon too much here, but not 180 years before Den Daenerys Targaryen was born, kind of on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, and and again, that's you'd only know that if you were super into this world, but they're establishing it for them. Um, what I would also say is I think you're you're hitting it on that we've hit it on the head here is that like this is going to be different and I think that's why it has so much potential and uh, if I had to rate it I would give it four exploding Alderons out of five exploding Alderons. Damn, that's, that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty dark show, man. It's a pretty dark that's show. True. It's a little bit more gritty. 
So yeah, that's where I've got it. I've liked it so far. I'm looking forward to the next two episodes, and that's that's the best you could say about a streaming show. Absolutely. It has its hooks in us, and we will undoubtedly return to discuss it at some point in the near future. But until then, thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in to The Big Stream. Be sure to log on to TheBigLead.com for all of your latest sports and media news. We will see you next time. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.